Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling, and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're, You're listening, listening to, to the Podmania, Podmania Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Podcast, Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Mania podcast. I'm your host Rob Gordon. I'm joined once again by Chris and Garth. Chris, how are you, buddy? You made me watch Collision in Korea. And you, Garth? Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Even despite the fact that I made you watch, I made you watch Collision in Korea. Apparently. Um, in a minute. Hang on. Oh. You okay there, buddy? What's happening, man? Yeah. <laughs> just pop, just pop in a cold one. Oh, I see. What, what is your tip of choice today? Is that what today? they're calling it nowadays? <laughs> What's your tip of choice, Chris? Air Garth? It is Cause Light. Cause Light. Wow. Get I'm... the fuck off of this podcast. <laughs> I myself am on Stellar Artois um, because it's a, it's I apparently. Refreshing beverage. Are you the only one not drinking? Aren't you the only Scottish one as well? This seems weird. Yeah. Like it's weird for me too. Yeah, the Geordie and the Stokey are drinking, yet the guy from Scotland isn't drinking. I mean that's an offensive stereotype. And... <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen, we're procrastinating, as you can probably tell, because we really, really, really don't want to talk about this pay-per-view. Um Basically, we put out there on Twitter that the new theme for our retro pay-per-view this time was going to be out of our comfort zone. And I don't think you can get more out of your comfort zone than watching 190,000 people sitting in almost complete silence watching something that they don't understand because they're there (laughs) upon fear of death. Um it's an I don't know, I felt pretty show. uncomfortable on the train last week. Well, it's an interesting show, to say the least. Chris, what did you think, <laughs> buddy? Well, I don't know, I feel like I did enjoy some of the matches on the show more if the crowd was a crowd and not like 190,000 people with a massive gun being pointed at them. Like, it's one of those shows where like the super, stories is Super short on, isn't it? Yeah. No, to be fair, though, at least people got into it at Super Show. Like, um, I, I, I watched one of the Saudi shows. I, I watched Greatest Royal Rumble because it was a rumble. And, um, like, the crowd got really into Triple H versus John Cena. So. It was not the first match. Yeah, it was the opening match. Dead for the rest of it, but that first match. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were shit. dead. Yeah, but then the dude, that sumo wrestler turned up and was like, oh, it's Yokozuna! And no, it's not Yokozuna. There's that great story, isn't there, that the Saudi prince, um, who this was not... Well, I think it was the Saudi prince who wanted all this organised for them, um, gave a list in 
of all the wrestlers that he wanted to attend this. On that list, of course, was Yokozuna, who at that point had been dead for nearly <laughs> 17 years. So clearly a, a diehard the, fan. Wasn't the Ultimate Warrior also on there? Uh, I believe the Warrior was on there. I think Savage was mentioned as well. Because so. to be fair, Ultimate Warriors and the Saudi government's views on LGBT people kind of match oh, up. Very similar, yes. That is true. That is true. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, this is a weird show for for literally all of the reasons. Um, but mainly because it's a show where we're going to spend little time talking about the actual matches and more time on the background of this show. Um, the it was co-promoted between New Japan Pro Wrestling and obviously WCW. Uh, it was the first and at the moment the last ever wrestling show internationally to take place in North Korea. And you'll sort of see why as we go on. Uh, it took place over two days on the 28th and the 29th of April 1995. And it was originally called, get this, Pyongyang International Sports and Culture Festival for Peace. Oh, that was a Noki's uh, tagline. It was, peace. it was. Wasn't this all like a big play by Noki to get re-elected? Because he was in like Yakuza st- scandals and shit. Yeah, guns this, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, this was all basically a Noki. I mean, to begin with, this was all a Noki's baby somewhat. He contacted Eric Bischoff to say, basically, I want to do this show. And it boiled down to the fact that Anoki had very, very bad press in Japan due to all these backhanded dealings. And he thought that this, a pay-per-view in North Korea, would somehow manage to boost his political numbers. Um, And, yeah, that's where the genesis for the Pyongyang International Sports and Culture Festival for Peace... (laughs) Um, I thought you were going to say genocide. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of what we're going to say. Um, I know me and Garth have listened to this. Chris, I never actually asked if you did. Um, oh, I did a little time on the way home from uni. Yeah. And to be fair, I already knew a lot of this, but like hearing it from an actual person's mouth. Bischoff did not like melt the verse at all. No, you listen to anyone out of uh, something to wrestle 83 weeks or... Uh, what happened when, and none of them like Meltzer because they'll just go, he's not, he wasn't there. How the fuck does he know? Um, but <laughs> the thing is, half the time he seems to have known and it's just getting under that skin. Yes, I think that's what it is. I think it's more a case of how the fuck does he know? Uh, but you're right, Chris. Hearing all of this from Bischoff's mouth, you know, exactly what happened, exactly the feelings of going to that country. And that stark contrast to the United States. I mean, even before they went, okay, he felt so... Like, the entire thing, he wanted to go because he knew no one else wanted to go there. He wanted it to be this sort of more international recognition for WCW. Um, and he saw it as only a good thing. He he has admitted now, if he knew what he knew about North Korea, now, before he went, he wouldn't have gone. But obviously, not a lot was... No, it was obviously known as not the greatest place, but certainly not to the extent that Eric Bischoff and the rest of the WCW roster would soon find out. Interesting to note as well, before we get into it, that Ric Flair wasn't the first choice to take on Antonio Inoki. Who was it, Garth? The immortal one, Hulkster. Hulk Hogan, who basically, upon hearing that Eric Bischoff wanted to take him to North Korea, apparently looked at him and went, 
yeah, I don't think I'm available for that, brother. Um, so, <laughs> well, well done, Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> Bischoff said... Dodge a bullet by the sound of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's quite funny because uh, Bischoff actually says... Imagine having North Koreans would react to Hogan. Say again. Imagine having North Koreans would react to Hogan. Um, probably in complete WCW, silence, so he, Chris. He had like the um, Born and Raised in the USA theme song at this point because he's in WCW, so coming out to that in North Korea. With this flag. Yeah. <laughs> Proper rub like rubbing their faces and yeah, we're so much better he than you. He wouldn't be able to go. He wouldn't be able to go over because he'd be shot. Well, yeah. to be honest, I'm amazed. I'm amazed this this entire show went off relatively without a hitch. Um, when you consider the animosity that North Korea housed towards the West and especially the United States, even now, you know, even then because of their involvement in like South Korea and things like that. It's it's baffling that everything went off without a hitch. Um but I mean stuff was that bad that you couldn't get a flight from America to North Korea. They had to go to Japan and then get a military aircraft yeah. from Japan to North <laughs> Korea. Just that alone and- is ridiculous. Apparently it was like 40 years old from like the Korean War. (laughs) Without any permission from anybody. Yeah. The big thing is to state that Eric Bischoff asked no one's one's permission. It's great because my kids do this. They'll do something and their rationale is, yeah, but if I ask, he'll say no. So I just won't ask and then he won't say no. And that's pretty much what Bischoff did here. He thought, if I don't inform anyone I'm going and... He obviously... yeah, that's basically that's basically my niece's attitude towards kicking my brother. I think it's everyone's attitude, like deep down. If I don't ask, people won't say no. Um, so yeah, basically, the first thing Bischoff actually had to do, though, and he admits that this was a lot more difficult than he first thought it was going to be, was actually find wrestlers to go into North Korea. And yeah, apparently very few people actually wanted to go. Unsurprisingly, I think. Um, I mean, like I'm not gonna lie, Rob. If you if you asked me to go to somewhere even slightly inconvenient, I probably wouldn't. So, like going to North Korea, <laughs> doing a live episode of Podmania from North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> like, and even like you join us a Podmania at the Somme. It's just like no. Yeah, exactly. We, I mean. It, I don't understand Bischoff's rationale because he explains it in the podcast, 83 Weeks, and he says, yeah, it was exposure for for WCW, and it was like, yes, but it's from North Korea. Who the fuck? The CNN, CNN didn't even bother showing it. <laughs> no, no. no CNN, CNN would like, no, because Ted Turner would probably get shit if people realised um, he was in any way affiliated. Well, jumping ahead slightly now, North Korea at the time had two television channels. Both television channels only showed government propaganda. No one in this country at all knew what the fuck wrestling was. Well, they know who Ricky Tosu is. Yeah, apart from that. But they've got no way of knowing who they are. They've got no idea who Ric Flair is, yet he's wrestling Antonio Inoki. They've got no idea who these people are. 
Yet, Bischoff seems to think that this is going to be fantastic exposure for his company. Even if, right, there was one North Korean in that 355,000 <laughs> person attendance that turned up at the Mayday Stadium, one person thinks, do you know what? I quite like the uh, quite like the cut of this WCW. How the fuck is he even going to watch it? Just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Um, to be fair, to be fair, once you've went so long about food, you do start to hallucinate. So true. I mean, this this is horrendous. Um, one of the things that Bischoff says once they land is that you go through the streets of Pyongyang and all the other places. Well, it was mainly Pyongyang. I think they stayed. I don't think they went outside there. But there was no. No, it was just between like the airport and Pyongyang. Like even now, when tourists go to North Korea, they're sort of hustled into the city and not taken anywhere else because you know get dead cat and like carcasses being eaten as sort of a corporate liability so. yeah it's not exactly greatest pr is it i mean he does no. say there's no there's no rats there's no pigeons there's no squirrels or anything because if they were running about they'd be caught eat them all. yeah exactly it's edible these people were starving and apparently that was in the city. That was Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea and one of, the, well, the richest city in North Korea. Outside of that, people apparently, and apparently this was widespread at the time, and apparently it was covered quite well throughout international media, people were eating their own dead because they were that short on food. I can't even begin to fathom why these people who can't get food want to watch a 20-minute time limit draw between Shinya Hashimoto and Scott Norton. Have they suffered enough? Yeah, exactly. They've suffered enough. Why the fuck would they want to spend 20 minutes watching Scott Norton stumble round the ring? It's ju it just seems like unnecessary torture. Um, anyway, sure enough, Bischoff manages to get together this sort of ragtag WCW crew and basically they get to North Korea and it is horrendous is how it's basically described. Just absolutely awful. Um they have their passports taken instantly. Um they are questioned extensively. They're they're um, given their own security and translators. Um they're made to do basically PR for the North Korean government. Um, another big thing to point out at the time, North Korea was in a massive state of mourning at this point because the leader, the first leader of North Korea, who'd ruled since basically the country's inception in 1948, Kim Il-sung. Let me try that again. Kim Il-sung. He was basically a god to Kim these people. He was basically a god to these people and he just died and the country was in massive mourning. So like there were statues up of him and everyone was, you know, in you know, horrible, horrible states of mourning. And again, Tony Onoki thought, this is my to. time. Say again. Because <laughs> they were taught to be in mourning. Well, yeah, exactly. And To be fair, this person is basically built up as like Jesus Christ without the Romans to fuck it all up. So, Well, as uh, Ric Flair tells, tells it in his book, and so does actually Scott Norton, in his book as well, and they talk about how they're sort of rushed from place to place to place to place to place, and how a lot of it is visiting um, local landmarks and things like that. And on these landmarks, they'd be given this spiel 
about how, you know, about certain things in history. And Bischoff tells a story about World War Two. Did you hear this on the podcast? Mm-hmm. That basically the reason, or one of the reasons that the North Koreans hated Americans so much was because during the war, they'd killed and murdered millions and millions of North Koreans. And the Japanese surrender, pardon me, the famous Japanese surrender that was mainly down to the American army, apparently, according to North Korean people, was down to the North Korean army. And they were saying this to all to these Americans, these Westerners, and they were just looking at them going, how, how can you possibly think this? But because they're pretty much, at this point, cut off from the outside world, Oh, yeah. How on earth would they know? Propaganda. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, again, from Bischoff, he says that the only colour in the city was propaganda posters for the government. You just, you cannot imagine this sort of living in this way, can you, at all? And yet... Yeah, I, did, I didn't used to have to before you made as much for living in Korea. And yet, mm. Antonio Inoki thought, North Korea should be the venue to put on an international sports and culture festival right. for peace. You, you, you are acting like Antonio Inoki was ever a logical man. <laughs> I just, I find it baffling. And I, I have found this pay-per-view to be an absolute drag, but the backstory of it just fascinating, mainly because of the juxtaposition between the Western world and how these people were living because it is abhorrent it's abhorrent that north korea was living in this absolute strife when you've got south korea which at this point was relatively affluent relatively you know in comparison to north korea and it's, it's just yeah that's sort of like saying um off ham it's more edible than a rock how is it <laughs> <laughs> How is that the same thing? Because, <laughs> like, you can, you can technically eat off ham, but you can't eat a rock. What, the rock? <laughs> well, Daph, if you want to eat the rock, that's completely up to you. He is a bit of, he is a, bit of a beefcake after all. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, anyway... <laughs> Uh, right, anyway, Meltzer reports the ticket prices for this show. And this stadium is enormous. Um, 165,000 people reportedly turned up on the first night, with 190,000 people turning up on the second night, which, of course, is a grand total of 355,000 people. Meltzer reports that the ticket price is pretty much priced anybody in North Korea, out of going. So the fact that there was a sellout sort of indicates that they were there by force, which I think everybody watching this show realised anyway. You either go or we're going to shoot you. I think was probably the message given to them. Am I right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, but to be fair, that's how you get us to do this podcast, so... Well, yeah, and know your fucking place, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they're going to take me. No, my dog, <laughs> Um Just one more, just one more story. Um, Scott Norton, apparently, 
at this point during this entire tour was starting to, for all intents and purposes, lose his shit. Um, obviously, I think I would be the same having had my passport taken off me, being herded into twos and herded into the back of cars to be put on basically this PR tour. Um, they were put into the hotel and he w- he wanted to ring his wife and somehow, bafflingly, he managed to get a call through North Korean operators to his wife in America. <laughs> you, you were going to collect call from North 